This is the Data Privacy Detective, and today we're going to talk about how small to mid-sized organizations can be privacy-centric by design or by default. And we have a great guest here today. Darren, you're joining us as the founder, uh, Darren Gallup, excuse me, forgot your last name. Darren Gallup is the co-founder and the CEO of Carbide. Now that's carbidesecure.com. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today from Nova Scotia. Thanks for having me. And uh, Carbide uh, is an information uh, security and data privacy firm uh, aiming really at small to mid-sized businesses or SMEs as, as they're called. Tell us a little more about uh, what what Carbide does, uh, Darren. Yeah, so we we have both a service component and a software component. So we've built a, a new age GRC. It's an information security and data privacy management platform that leverages some of you know, the more modern technologies around things like AI. And basically what we aim to do there is really just help organizations have the right size program for their business that can grow with them as they continue to grow and navigate the, you know, the, the waters out there and with, you know, data privacy requirements, new laws popping up and, and just, you know, the security requirements and, and and you're looking after your business in this world, which really we're just seeing a lot more activity in terms of the criminal aspects of, of cybercrime. So really just helping businesses have efficiency and effectiveness, especially those SMEs where they don't really have the the, the massive budgets or massive teams that can be dedicated at looking after the, all the complexities are associated with security and privacy. Right. And then to help them grow. Uh, well, let's start with, let's start with this question. How secure is personal information these days? Yeah, that's a that's a big question. I, I would say that there's a there's a lot of misconception that I think individuals have. Like I hear people say this a lot, where like, oh, I don't really have anything to hide. And and I think that's sort of missing the point. Um it's not about necessarily hiding things, although there, you know, a lot of people do have private things that they probably don't want to share, but it's just the the other damage that can be done when 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 you know the right nefarious uh, person has the data or or has an objective. I, I say like in terms of the the security or how safe the, the data is. Unfortunately, it's not as safe as, as as I would would hope it is, and and what I mean by that is, we're all adopting so much technology so quickly, and you know the the process of actually assessing a technology. So let's say you're signing up for a new social media thing, or you know, you're clicking on a, an ad, or signing up for something on Facebook, or you know you're signing up for a service, some sort of SaaS for something like. Most people don't have the skills or the time to actually assess whether or not what they're signing up with and, and the tools they're using actually do have appropriate security in place. And and a lot of people, you know, they just they just hope for the best and they go for it. And you know, we're hearing breach every day. There's another big breach. And so, yeah, I mean, I think most for most of us, it's it's safe to assume that a lot of our data is is out there. And and, and unfortunately, once it gets out there and it's now you know becomes available in the dark web or something like that, you kind of you can't really retract that that data. It's lost and gone forever. I think you're quite right. Most of us don't have the time to think about it, uh, but certainly our bank accounts, our credit card numbers. I can go on health information that we'd rather, you know, a lot of things we do want to keep private. It's not like we're trying to hide something. We're just trying to protect our identities or our assets and uh, what we do want to keep private. Well, now most companies, of course, are not giants. The European Union uh, recently designated 19 uh, platforms and search engines 
as very large. Well, that's uh, that's not a lot of companies. And so you're dealing with small, you're dealing with startups, small and mid-sized organizations, MSPs. And, and I think your point is they should build in privacy from the start, not to kind of use duct tape later on uh, to avoid a data breach. How do you do that? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, a, a lot of companies, like I say, we deal with a lot of startups, we deal with a lot of, uh, you know, small, medium shops and in a variety of different industries. MSPs. You know, what is an MSP, order. by the way, for those who don't know? Managed service provider. So this could be an organization that you, you could, you, instead of looking after your own, say your Wi-Fi or your, your local area network in your office, your endpoints, your computers, um, some cloud infrastructure, things like that. Instead of having an in-house IT team or just trying to sort of do that as a, doing that on the side while doing, you know, half a dozen other, other things, you can hire a dedicated team that can do that. They'll do it for you and yeah, and you know, there's different degrees of the level of service that they can provide. And some of them are, you know, a lot of them are starting to to leverage, uh, like we, we partner with a lot of them so that they can leverage our platform and our expertise so that they can provide a richer uh, data security, data privacy opportunity for their customers. So, you know, they're getting asked already. Um, you know, a lot of people see security often gets considered as an IT problem, right? So when a small business gets, uh, you know, there's a question around security or we need upgrade our security or we're going to go do a deal with a customer and they want to un- understand our security posture. Usually that problem gets thrown over to IT or, you know, or technical people in the business. It, it, it is not an exclusive uh, technical problem. There's a there's a huge human element and there's governance and there's all these other elements to it. But I think, you know, going back to your... Well, you know, if I con- may, Darren, love me. I mean, you've probably heard this one, but maybe my, some of my listeners have. Do you know how many... Uh, software engineers it takes to change a light bulb answer none because it's a hardware problem you know it's, but anyway <laughs> there you uh, go exactly you know it's it's a mix <laughs> of things isn't it and but but on a limited budget how, how do small and mid-sized organizations in your view how should they approach privacy from the start of a company yeah and the sooner you do it the easier it is um we see a lot of companies that come to us they've already been in business for several years they have you know hundreds if not thousands of customers they maybe have 20 employees, 100 employees, and they haven't thought about security and privacy really that much. And, you know, that that becomes a more challenging um, transition because you end up having to educate people. You have to kind of conduct a cultural shift within the organization and 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 that can be that can be daunting, uh, you know, depending on the organization and, and how comp- complex it is and the culture and whatnot. When you start uh, as a, when you're starting off in the younger phases of your company, uh, you know, just some simple concepts that you can implement that that go a long way. So, you know, having a risk management program that factors in, you know, security risks, data risks, privacy risks, having some basic policy, even if it's not, say, you know, of, of the standard of meeting, you know, a full GDPR compliance or like something like an ISO 27001 or an NIST standard, just having some basic functional, some basic really critical high important stuff in place that's focused around the business's risk. Uh, the, the current risks, and then education, so people understand what is privacy, what is risk, and then incorporating that into decisions as the business grows. And where that can be really effective is if I'll give an example, like let's say you're a SaaS product or you're a SaaS company, you're building a product. Where is the so, service? Right. Sales. Yeah. If you're, if you're doing software as a service, and this is just one example, you can also this example also works if you're a business and you're at your service business and you're adding just a new service. So. You have one service, and because you're doing that service, you collect you know a minimal amount of data, and then all of a sudden somebody has a really great idea for a new product or service component, and it's going to have you know huge revenue impacts on the business over the next five years. 
But the catch is you're going to have to collect and work with a lot more, you know, high, a larger amount or maybe a more, you know, sensitive data set. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you don't have a risk management program in place and you don't have education around identifying and understanding privacy and incorporating risk management and privacy into design, you're just going to, you might, you may end up making decisions that are just blind in terms of the risk and, or you may, you might make technical decisions of how you deliver a product or service that may cause problems down the road. So if you're having those considerations up front, it just really helps you think about the the business proposition, the, the value proposition, well, and, and I would understand think, uh, the actual costs. To attract investors, they're going to ask questions about this, right? Depends on the investor. Um, you know, I, I think investors are, quite frankly, a little late to the game. They do. We're, we're certainly here. We're, we're hearing um, customers of ours say that, you know, my investor wants to understand our posture on this. It's starting to happen. Uh, back, you know, I, I can think back a few years ago, it was very rare that investors were asking these questions. Uh, so they're learning really, also. Yeah. They're they learning. Well, they see, they see data breaches are expensive. Also, what's expensive is when you have a company that, you know, takes on millions of dollars in investment to go build this product that they validate it that there's a need for. And then they, you know, say they go launch in the U.S. banking industry. And then they get a rude awakening and realize that, you know, they are not going to be able to do any deals because they don't come across sophisticated enough and trustworthy enough. And so I think the investment firms are seeing both that. And we're also seeing insurance rejection. So Mm -hmm. companies trying to go to renew their insurance and discovering that, you know, insurance company is not willing to give them, say, cyber protection or something like that. Well, they can't get the rider, which is increasingly expensive. And, you know, part of what uh, I I think you do is to help organizations think of making privacy really part of their offering. So it's not just compliance. It's not just getting by. It's it's saying we are a privacy-centric type of company. How does a smaller, mid-sized business do that in an honest and forthright way? Well, I mean, the first step is you need to actually have security and privacy, but as a design baked in your business, you actually have to be practicing that. It has to be embedded in the culture and it has to be top down. In other words, the leadership, the CEO has to actually care about it. You see all these companies, I've gone into the companies where it's like, you know, the CEO gets up from his desk and goes to the washroom and then goes and grabs a coffee and his computer's just sitting there wide open, full access. And, you know, it's like practices like that. They become pregnant throughout the culture in a business. So you have to do it. It has to be legit for you it to, to be set honest. a tone from the top, you're saying. You do. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, it's it's a real big value proposition, right? And if you're a small business, certainly if you're a small business going after larger enterprise deals or, or working with government or military or things like that, you're already at a bit of a disadvantage being young. So you don't have a lot of years of traction as a business. And maybe if you're a smaller team, then it's, you know, the questions around redundancy and, and, and uh, you know, single points of failure within a business. And then if you're a startup and you're venture back, then there's questions about, you know, is this company have a, have the cash to deliver over this three-year contract? Is there any concerns or risks there? So you're already coming in the door as a small company with some risks, uh, you know, some, some elements. So being able to really articulate a high sophistication around your data security and data privacy shows a level of maturity and certainly can help a lot uh, when it comes down to getting through uh, that sort of deal process of earning uh, a larger organization or more security privacy conscious organization's trust. So start with some reasonable uh, platform up front. And then as a business grows and uh, you have the scaling issue and revenue actually starts increasing and 
you know, a little more money to spend. How, how does a, an SME maintain first class uh, data privacy and cybersecurity? Yeah, so you know, you, you need to have a person, whether that person is an in-house person that's full-time or it's a person that is uh, you know, a, an industry a professional expertise and experience in a business similar to yours. You know, I've seen lots of cases where, you know, an ex, uh, uh, somebody who was a CISO at, at a big bank is trying to help a small 15 person startup build a security program for an AWS cloud hosted application or something like that. And it can, it can, you know, doesn't always work out, but you know, so you want to like find somebody that really understands your business and the needs of that business. What I see a lot, and, and we see, we do this a lot with our customers where we'll have a small business that um, we'll have a designated person or, or you know, they might have like a, a, a more junior person that runs the day-to-day of their data privacy and, and their security program. Mm-hmm. And then they work right. with us to use our platform and they use our expertise of our, of our senior team, um, you know, for, for backing, for approval, for check-ins, uh, participation in security meetings and, you know, things like when, when the risk assessment is conducted, just having somebody in there that really understands the risk landscape the threat landscape things like that so i see that a lot that that's becoming i think a popular uh, way for businesses there's certainly a lot of young folks that are eyeing security as a career opportunity but they don't necessarily have the experience but you can find young people that have gone through you know whether it's a master's in security or some other form of training maybe they have a cissp or some certification they they lack that they lack maybe some of that on hands-on experience, but they're they're hungry, they're young, they're smart. And then you know, you, you get that more expensive resource that you know you're only really using a couple hours a month once things get set up and going. And then you have you know, some more accountability and, and some growth and mentoring opportunity for that younger younger person. And then you know the, the other side of it is the right tools. Um, the landscape right now in terms of cybersecurity products is massive. It's 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 a bit daunting and confusing. But there's a lot of really cool tools out there that can certainly create efficiency. And there's certain areas where where some administrative controls and even some technical controls can have some degree of automation baked into them. You know, for example, we like with our platform at Carbide, we integrate with like 130 some different tools and we can do do things around access control monitoring and, you know, validating certain controls are being implemented in an automated way. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff out there. And and also what's really fascinating in this security space, which I think is really advantageous for the SMEs, is that it used to be, you know, the cost of big and big enterprise grade security solutions was kind of like the only the only players in, in, the, in only the game. Solution. Yeah, sign up. Yeah, big guys. expensive yeah. black solutions. Now you're seeing a lot of really scrappy and, and very affordable solutions. And you even see a lot of products building security into their product, right? So, you know, like in my case, I use Apple computers. There's a lot of by default security functionality being baked into those machines, both at the hardware level and in, and in the more modern operating systems. We see the like a lot of the cloud tools out there are, are you know, being held to a higher degree of, of security compliance accountability. And, 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 you know, I think there's a lot of opportunities where mid-sized small companies can, can actually outsource a lot of what we would traditionally say is the most, the more expensive security functions. And like one example would be, you know, when you, host a web application in AWS versus hosting it in your own office facility. Well, if you have in your own office facility, you have to think about uptime and generators and, you know, fire suppression systems and physical security and access to the devices and machines, right? You you partner with, uh, you know, you partner with the right partner that has the right program in place. And 
they they you know they'll they'll implement there'll be a shared responsibility model and you'll be effectively offloading you know some of those some of those chores some of those more costly uh, endeavors there and then you know you have a a more reduced scope so some architecture and thinking and again that goes back back to what I was saying earlier of like it really this is the value of having it early having security by design for right. security and privacy by design and by default earlier in the business because it'll help you make decisions factoring in that component uh, you know versus ignoring that component and then realizing that you know you've got a much a bigger climb ahead of you you know 2 years down the road when you when you kind of leave it to the end and as you've said you can outsource that you don't have to hire people to program for you you know a small business can't afford that but you have a decent platform starting out and then acquire tools as you scale that's kind of that's what i'm hearing yeah Hundred percent. Like you, you know, you have a you have a starting a business off. There's you and a couple of co-founders. Yeah, you don't need you don't need three hundred pages of security policies and right. You know, start start like it's in in everything. It's like you know, I always say to people, it's like security posture is like it's something that is is constantly going to uh, evolve as your business evolves. Whether that's the size of your business, the number of employees, or the scope of the products and services you launch. Right. Exactly. Let me ask you one last thing uh, as we uh, complete this segment, uh, Darren. What are your top tips to individuals? We all share our data with organizations we belong to and others. How about advice to individuals about how they, we, can best protect our personal information? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things I, I that that people should do, and it, it's, it kind of surprises me how few people do this now, but the access control component. And what I mean by that is your passwords for how you access for various different websites or tools or devices. Don't use the same password for everything. Use unique passwords. Use different passwords for each tool. And you know, have complex passwords. Don't use like your address, your phone number, your name, your dog's name, things like that. You know, and there's 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 even there's there's very affordable for individuals tools out there. Like things like password managers. Another thing you can use is single sign-on can be a really strong tool. In other words, you you know, like an example would be like, say, you use your Google account to sign up for a service, or use your Google account to access a service, and and then you don't have to worry about you know remembering all those passwords. And then very critical on the provider's uh, cybersecurity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you know, obviously, you want to make sure you're choosing a, a strong provider in that regard. But and and then the other one is multi-factor authentication. Like people, everybody should be using multi-factor authentication on everything, and should be very weary of anything that doesn't provide multi-factor authentication. And basically, you know, how that mostly in a, you know most tools how that works is you know you enter your cell number or and and then you get a, a text. Uh, when you sign in from a new device for a new location or something like that. And it's just like another factor, right? So, uh, or, or using an authenticator app is even a, a better way to do that where you can, you know, pick an authenticator app and then use that tool on your mobile device or your tablet or whatnot as a, as that, that secondary factor for authentication. And that just means that if somebody does somehow accidentally get your password, they're going to have a really hard time getting in with it. They won't uh, have your iPhone. Odds are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, so so that's a really, really strong practice that people should do. Right. Um, Certainly sensitive information. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Credit one monitoring. Last tip, one last tip for individuals. Credit monitoring. Go sign up for yep. some credit monitoring. Always have credit monitoring. The value prop, and this is where I was, when people say they have nothing to hide. This is one of the, you know, one of the tactics that people can use with, with, with having a, a good data set of PII is they can go out and 
and and effectively apply for credit uh, through different institutions. So, you know, if you have credit monitoring, then you're going to see or get some sort of alert if you're using an appropriate tool there in credit monitoring. You're going to get alerts to show that, you know, there's been a ding on your credit. Uh, you applied for a loan at XYZ. Well, if you didn't apply for that loan, well, then you know that you you got some phone calls. Something's going something, on. Right. Something's not not right, right? So th- those are, I'd say those are two. I mean, there's certainly a lot of other things that folks can do, but those are two really good places to start. Perfect. Darren, thanks so much for joining us today. And as always, I will close by reminding us all, protecting your personal data begins with you. 